love this season of the year. I love Christmas songs. And there's so many great Christmas songs. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer and so many others that teach such wonderful things, right? And encourage and strengthen us. But one of my favorite songs is the song, What Child Is This? Now, isn't that really one of the great questions of the Christmas season? What child is this? The world pauses and honors the birth of Jesus. And the question is, what child is this? Who is he? Some people will say, well, he was just a great teacher. Some people will say he was just a wonderful, moral human being. Or he was a great leader, a great influencer. But what we see in the Bible is that he was much more than that. And as we begin our Christmas series this year, what we want to do is we want to ask the simple question, who is this child? Who is he? And we're going to let the Gospel of John chapter 1 partially answer that question for us this morning. But that song, what child is this? Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But I, I, I'll, I want to give you some of the words. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him loud. That means to bring him praise, the babe, the son of Mary. What we're going to see this morning from John chapter 1 is we're going to see why this, this child is to be worshipped. We're going to see why this child is called the King of Kings, the King of the universe, the king who reigns over all aspects of life. And we're going to see that if this is true, we're going to see what it means for you and me as we live our lives. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. And, and then we're going to take a few moments to, just to explain what these verses mean. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to the world, to, to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. What a powerful picture, isn't it? Of who this Jesus is. What child is this? It's one of the most important questions that we have to answer in our lives. For many of us, Christmas comes, it's a time that's busy, it's a time of of gatherings, it's a time of buying gifts, it's a time of decorations, and we're exhausted by the time it's over. We don't take the time to understand why we're pausing, why we're celebrating. Who is this, this child? Well, I'm going to let John partially answer that question for us this morning. Here's the first thing that I want you to see this morning. Oops. Oh, go back, go back. You didn't see that. Oh, thank you. That was not me. They bailed me out in the back. Thank you. The first thing that we see is that Jesus is the Word. And we told that right off the bat. In the beginning was the Word. Right off the bat, this is how John begins his gospel. And the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the Word? Now, this is actually extremely profound. I want you to follow this because this can make an incredible difference in your Christmas season. He begins, in the beginning was the Word. Now, John is writing to two audiences. He's writing to a Jewish audience. So we're going to take a moment, in just a moment, to understand how a Jewish person would understand what John is saying. But he was also writing to a Greek audience. And so it's critical that we understand how somebody from the Greek culture would understand what John is saying. And although they're understanding it a little bit differently, they come to the same conclusion. It's incredibly powerful. So how would a Jew understand at that time what it means when John writes, in the beginning was the Word. Well, immediately, they would be transported back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we go on and we read that God spoke His Word and the world became. God spoke His Word and the universe was created. God spoke His Word And the seas and the mountains were created. God spoke his word. And we were created. So immediately, the Jew would understand that. Wait a minute. In the beginning was the word. And he's going to say the word is Jesus. Wait a minute. Who is this child? In the beginning was the word. We read throughout the Old Testament. And we see whenever God speaks, the world changes Whenever God speaks his word, the world is different, and the world is impacted, and the world is transformed. Then we come to the Gospels, and we read about the life of Jesus, and what do we see? We see Jesus speak his word, and a storm is calmed. Jesus speaks his word, and the seas are calm. Jesus speaks his word. And lives are transformed. Jesus speaks his word. And the blind gain sight. And the lame can walk. Jesus speaks his word. And the world is different. 
When a Jewish person would read these words, in the beginning was the word, they are seeing Jesus as God. He is the one who speaks and the world is different. Now, this is profound for me as I just think about how I pray. Do you pray with the understanding that the one that we, that we are looking to, that the one who intercedes for us, the one that he brings our request to is the word who speaks and my life is different, who speaks and I'm transformed, who speaks and everything changes? When I pray, I think about this is who God is. Now, he doesn't do everything I ask him to do. And you know what? In hindsight, I'm grateful for that. But he does anything he chooses to do. I don't fully understand that. There are things that I would do differently in life, in this world. And, but I'm not God. Good thing. But is that the child that you are worshiping in Christmas? Is that the child that grows to be a man who grows to be a king? Is that the one that we worship on Christmas Day? But now let's look at the Greek understanding of this word, word. Listen to what, how a Greek would understand this. 700 years before Jesus was even born, there was a Greek philosopher from the city of Ephesus. His name was Heraclitus. And Heraclitus believed and wrote that there was a divine being behind all of the order of the world. He looked at the world and he saw the order that existed in the world and he concluded there has to be a divine being behind all of this. And he called that divine being in the, the, with the Greek word logos, which is the English word for word, which is logos is the word that John uses in this passage. Heraclitus believed that all of history, all of history was ordered by this word. He believed that all of mathematics and physics, all of reason, finds its, its meeting and its foundation in this divine logos. Now, the years go by, and other philosophers built upon what Heraclitus had begun and what he had written about, Socrates, Plato. Now, they didn't understand who that God was, but they knew there had to be a God, the word, the logos behind that. I want you to hear what Plato wrote. It may be that someday there will come forth from God a word who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. What Plato did not understand was he was talking about Jesus. What Plato didn't understand was that he was talking about the divine logos that John is writing about in his gospel. So they are waiting for this divine logos to come. And John begins by saying, Jesus, Jesus, the word is the word that you've been waiting for. Jesus 
is the word. He is the one who brought all of, who stands over all of history. He is the one who gives meaning and purpose to the, to the order of our world. He is the one who designed mathematics and physics and reason. He is the one who is the author of all knowledge. He is the one you have been looking for, but whose name you did not know. I think that is powerful. In the beginning was the word. That was, that was powerful for the people back then to hear. But that's not all we see. Second, we see that Jesus is fully God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word, what does it say? Was God. So Jesus was with God. And he was God. Now, for me, this is profound. When I look at Jesus, I know who God is. Because Jesus, as it says in Hebrews, is the perfect representation of the Father. Perfect representation. Everything that Jesus did is a reflection of God because he's fully God. Everything he said is a perfect reflection of the heart of God. And so when I see Jesus hanging on a cross, uttering those incredible words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's talking about the people that abused him. He's talking about the people who had crucified him. And he's asking the Father to be merciful upon them. That is the heart of God. When you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. You go, we read on and we see the heart of Jesus, the woman dragged before him, caught in the act of adultery. No question but that she is guilty. And Jesus, God, says to him, to her, this woman, woman, is there no one left here to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And Jesus looks at this woman who was sinful without question then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. When I am broken in the midst of sin, I hear those words from Jesus because I know they are the words of God. He is fully God. It is profound. It is profound. In John 14, in John 14, Jesus um, says to, or Philip says to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. That's all we need. What does Jesus say to him? Listen to what he says. He says, oh, Philip, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Friends, I know who God is because I've seen Jesus. I've seen him in the Gospels. I've seen who he is, and I know who God is. Now, contrast this with this statement. Mahatma Gandhi some of you know that name, Mahatma Gandhi. He uh, was dying, and one of his relatives came to him and asked him this question. Babaki, that's what he called him. You have been looking for God all your life. Have you found him yet? No, was the reply. I'm still looking. Friends, I'm not looking anymore. I have seen God in the stories of Jesus. I know who God is. 
I don't know all about God. It's, there's mystery, and he's much bigger than I could, my finite mind could ever imagine. But I read the life of Jesus, and I know who the Father is because I've seen Jesus. He is fully God. And friends, that is profound. A third thing that John says to us is that Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus was integral in all of creation. Now, when the Apostles' Creed rightly says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that's true. But it's not as if Jesus wasn't core and central to all of creation. In fact, what does John say here? He says, through Jesus, speaking of Jesus, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. When I look at a rainbow, I see the power and the creativity of Jesus. God the Father, it was his plan to create the universe, to create us. But that plan was carried out in and through the Son, Jesus. Logos, the Word. The beauty of all that God has made reflects his power and his glory, reflects his beauty, reflects his creativity. That's who Jesus is. That's the child that we celebrate every Christmas. I think that's profound. That's staggering for me. Here's a fourth thing that I want you to see. What child is this? He is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. We read in uh, verse 4, the first part of verse 4, in him was life. Now, in the context, the author is talking about the fact that he sustains all things. He sustains all of life. I mean, it's amazing when you study chemistry and when you study um, biology. It's amazing that our bodies are able to operate like they are. It's really staggering because you just turn our heat up a little bit and our bodies are down a little bit. We don't survive. But God, Jesus, sustains all of life. He holds all of life together. He is the one, the one we worship, the one we adore. He is the one who holds life together. And then in verses 12 and 13, we read this. Friends, here's the reality. When he is, I say he is the source of life, it's not that just that he sustains all things, but it's also that he is the answer to the greatest questions we will ever ask in our lives. In him is the answer. We were created for the purpose of being in relationship with God. Sin has gotten in the way. And so we have a deep, profound desire to be right with God, to have a relationship with God. Because we were created for that. Jesus is the one who fulfills all of our needs, our deepest and most profound need. And that is to be loved by God and to love God in return. Now listen to what John says about this child. Yet to all who did receive him, who received Jesus by faith, to those who believed in his name, I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that you are the Lord. I believe that you are God. He gave the right to become children of God. He says, children not born out of 
born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is, this is what it means as, we'll go to, as we go to chapter 3. This is what it means when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We are spiritually dead. We must be born again. And the incredible thing is God meets our deepest, most profound needs by making us, by faith in Jesus, his forever child. Who am I? I am a child of the living God. I am a child of the God who created the universe. I am a child of the God who stands over all things. That's who I am. As our children were growing up, the most important thing for us was to teach our children who they were in Jesus. Friends, what I see in our world today is an incredible identity crisis. It is rampant among young people in our culture today. The answer to that problem is understanding that when we put our faith in Jesus, that we are children of the living God. He is our Father in heaven. He is the one who loves us completely, perfectly, without, in a way that humanly doesn't seem possible or reasonable. He is the one who loves us more than we love ourselves. He is the one who loves us more than any human being could possibly love us. He is the one who fills that hole in our soul, that hole in our heart. I am a child of the living God. That's who I am. That's who I am. I remember when my daughter was young, or one of my daughters was young. She was, I think, in first grade. And I was really, uh, the Sunday school teacher came to me and said, wow, Amy had an interesting uh, thing to say to the class today. I said, well, what did Amy say? She said, daddy's not my father, God's my father. Well, first she said, daddy's not my father. I said, honey, you can say that, but let's get to the second part really fast. Daddy's not my father, but God is my father. That's a profound understanding for a first grader. Only God can reveal that. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Jesus is the light. What child is this? Jesus is the light. Light is a critical word in the Bible. It, it stands for truth. Light stands for clarity. Light stands for direction. Light stands for understanding when the world seems very confusing. Light is a powerful word in the Bible. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We see here that Jesus is the light. The light, speaking of the word, logos, who is Jesus, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. We read on later in the passage, verses 9 to 11, we read this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He is the light that came into the world. And though this is his world, he owns it. He created it. Though it belongs to him. 
people did not receive him because they did not understand what child is this. He was just a great teacher. He was just a rabbi. He was just a good moral person. He was just a great leader. He was just a great influencer. No. He is God. And he is the king of the universe. But the world did not respond to him. You know, friends, that light is so significant to me in my life. Times when I need direction, God in his perfect timing gives me light. Times when I'm struggling and confused and hurting, God brings the light of his hope. At times when I feel unlovely and unlovable, he embraces me and he reminds me that I'm his child and that he died for me. At times when the darkness seems to be winning the day, I'm reminded that the light will always win the day. All of us probably here have a home or an apartment that is hooked up to the power grid. Now you have a choice to make. You can turn on the light or you can live in darkness. Everybody has that choice. When I go to bed at night, I turn the lights off because I like it dark. But if I get up, I want the lights on so I don't stumble and fall or step on the dog. But I can choose to leave the room in darkness. And the choice is ours. By faith in Jesus, we receive the light. And in the light, there is no darkness. Last thing that I want you to see is that Jesus is the God who took on our humanity, became like one of us. Imagine that, God choosing to become like one of us. Uh, I read an author that tried to find a parallel. He said, it'd be like one of us deciding, oh, those poor ants, I'm going to become an ant. I mean, who would do that? God took on the limitations of a human body. Why? Because that was the plan of the Father. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to be with you forever. The word became flesh like us and made his dwelling, lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I look at Jesus and I see the glory of God. I look at the life of Jesus and I see the life of one who was God in human flesh. I see what perfect humanity looks like as he was fully human and yet fully God. Friends, I want to close with this story. And um, I've, I've gone to a few uh, yard sales over the years and a few um, garage sales over the years. Well, this happened in Connecticut a number of years ago. Somebody was selling, had a garage sale, a yard sale, and there was this little white 
porcelain bowl. And somebody who had a little bit of knowledge was going through the stuff and saw that bowl. It, nothing wasn't particularly beautiful, but they recognized that it was significant. And so for $35, they purchased a Chinese artifact from the 15th century during the Ming Dynasty. There are only seven of them that we know of in the world, most of them in a museum. $35 bought this, this little porcelain bowl that is worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the person who, was, who had the garage sale. This is why I don't sell it, get rid of anything. <laughs> My wife sure wishes I would. And imagine that you're that person. Here you had this incredible artifact dating back hundreds of years, worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you didn't know what it was. And you sold it for $35. Imagine that you're the person right before the person who buys the bowl, you walk by the bowl, and you buy the dirty t-shirt that looks really cool. And you passed on the bowl. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. Are you passing on Jesus? Not just do you believe, but are you living your life for him? Here we have this child who is of infinitesimal value from a human perspective. And I wonder if we understand just how valuable a relationship with God really is. What child is this? He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's the one who loves me. He's the one who picks me up when I fall. He's the one who comforts me in my pain. He's the one who guides me when I'm confused. He's the one for whom I call my God my father because I am his eternal child. I think that's a reason to celebrate Christmas. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these words that come from the Gospel of John. Thank you for answering that incredibly important question. What child is this? This is our God. Lord, open our eyes that we may see and our hearts that we may receive this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.